this is in uh, Acts chapter 9, and um, this is, uh, of course, so we know at the beginning of chapter 9 was Paul and his uh, Damascus Road experience, uh, and uh, before that, of course, Paul was going around to the churches and arresting people and, and throwing them in jail and, and uh, standing by as people stoned other people, you know. That's such a Pharisee, right? He's sitting there, I didn't stone anybody. I didn't stone anyone, you know, as he's holding the coats of the people who are stoning Stephen, right? And um, uh, nowadays, you know, the guy that drives the getaway car is just as guilty as the guy that goes in the bank and robs it, right? And, and that's fair because you had just as much, you know, uh, your part was just as important as everybody else's part in, in doing that. And so, uh, but, uh, but this, by this time, though, Paul had, uh, had accepted the Lord Jesus. Uh, and it says, uh, then, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And I wanted to read another translation of that. Just so the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria was in possession of unbroken tranquility. Uh, you know, we can have unbroken tranquility regardless of our circumstances if we want to, right? Uh, and being constantly built up and proceeding on its way in the fear of the Lord, uh, so we should walk in the fear of the Lord. Amen? Uh, so back to our previous discussion, if you're uh, completely and constantly built up in the fear of the Lord, how much sin do you want to commit? Well, I can't imagine you'd want to commit any sin, right? So that would be a, a good way to get out of sin, right? Uh, and by means of the instrumentality of the exhortation and encouragement of the Holy Spirit was multiplied as to its membership. Uh, and so uh, I just want to encourage about that. You know, we had gone through, and I'm not going to go through all of them now, but we had gone through the book of Acts and looking at uh, what, what was uh, the, the precursor to uh, growth in the church. Uh, and there's really two primary things. If you look at the context of this, uh, that they were teaching the church uh, and bringing the word of God. Uh, and, and so there's really two precursors to growth in the church in the book of Acts. One was uh, the preaching of faith, and one was the working of miracles. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, if that's the prescription that the Lord has given to us from the examples in the book of Acts, then I think that's a pretty good prescription, amen? And so my faith and desire is to allow the Lord to move as freely as he wants to in the services, amen? Pray for the sick and get them healed and, and any other deliverance that we need and then uh, preach the word of God, amen? Uh, and so uh, any other announcements, Chris? We got them all, all right, hey, there you go. What's that? Prayer services uh, a week from Friday, right? This coming Friday, okay, this coming Friday. So that's the 10th then, right? So, or the 11th. So prayer service on the 11th and 7 p.m. here at the church. And then uh, ladies' fellowship is beyond Friday or Saturday on the 12th at 11 a.m. All right. Uh, well, let's stand and greet you for just a minute. And we'll get into praise and worship. So Thank you, Father. So yes, Father. Yes. You're great and mighty, Father. So All glory. So yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Great are you, Lord. Yes, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Yes, Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. you're great because you give us life breath in all things father all things father come from you that makes you great father. all life comes from you that makes you great father. and our very breath father comes from you that makes you great we worship a great and mighty God you are worthy father of all praise and honor we thank you father thank you Lord Jesus Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Father, you're greater than all of the earth. In fact, you said in your word, Father, the greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Father, we carry greatness in us. We carry the greatness of heaven among us. Great are you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are great, Father. We declare it to be so. We declare it, Father, because we believe it's so. You are great. 
Father, if you're great, then you're greatly to be praised. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for being good to us and giving us all things, Father, in this life. You said in your word that you give us all things, Father, richly to enjoy. Thank you, Father. That makes you great, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we just want to thank you and give you all praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. We appreciate his goodness and kindness and being good to us. Amen. And, um, you know, you just can't worship the Lord too much, I don't think. You know, it's, uh, it's always good to worship the Lord because he says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And if he inhabits the praises of his people, then he comes and manifests himself among us as we worship him. And um, it's good training for your own self to learn how to sense the presence of God. Amen. You know, the presence of God, we mentioned that scripture there in Galatians 5.16, that if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. One of the, if you're struggling with anything, worship the Lord more. If you're struggling with any addictions or any, any habits that need to be broken, worship the Lord more. Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? Uh, and so, you know, most of the time we just preach hard against sin, whop you upside the head with a two-by-four, thinking that's going to help you, right? Uh, and um, it's like the old saying at the, at the business, right, that, uh, or even in the, in the household, that uh, beatings will continue until morale improves, right? Uh, and, you know, that's not really the best way to get people to straighten up, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, you ever heard that? Yeah, I mean, so uh, that's the way I grew up, right? Beatings will continue until morale improves, you know? And, uh, uh, and so... Uh, uh, my mom, she, she was the, uh, the inflictor of, uh, I, I was going to say justice, but it wasn't so much justice. It was just, uh, her desire was to have peace and quiet. You know, it didn't matter who was guilty or not guilty. You know, beatings will continue until peace and quiet arrives. And so, um, it was, uh, uh, and so, uh, so, um, it, you'd learned how to duck quite a bit. Right. But, um, uh, and then, um, we used to have, uh, our form of punishment, the primary form of punishment, you know, we had lots of, uh, you know, uh, wide and variety ways of being punished, but, uh, uh, but the most common one was the lilac switches. Anybody remember the lilac switches, right? Lilac switches are nice cause they're long and they're really flexible. Right. Uh, and when you get them green, they can wrap around your leg three or four times. You don't not break. Uh, and then you get all these welts show up on your legs and they start bleeding and, and uh, anybody ever get to experience a lot of like switches, you know? And we had to go pick them out ourselves too, right? And which was just, that uh, was completely unjust there. You go pick out your own switch. It's like, well, you go come back with a twig, right? Uh, and, um, and then of course, then you'd have to run more. But um, I thank God we all survived our childhood, right? Amen. You know, people talk about how hard they had it growing up. Well, everybody had it hard growing up, you know? I mean, very few people got it nice and easy growing up. And so we, we uh, survive in this, uh, as adults in spite of our raising, amen? And the nice thing about faith is we get to choose as an adult the life we have, amen? I'm not a victim of my childhood, you know? I think the stories are funny, and, you know, and, and uh, I, I used to tell about uh, some of my things that my brother, I had one brother, he was, uh, he was a kind of a track star in, in high school, so he was all beefy, you know, and, and uh, uh, could w- uh, press, I don't know, like 400 pounds in a bench press or something like that. And he would use that to rule the house. When mom and dad was gone, you know, we all became indentured servants. And so I had to go, you know, fill up his, his uh, glass of Kool-Aid. I had to make his bed for years, you know. Uh, and uh, I was his personal assistant for years. Uh, and uh, if I said no, he'd just punch you across the room, you know. And just, I mean, just, you know, just terrible things, right? And lock you in the basement, you know. And, and then, um, uh, and I was telling all these stories that he would do, you know. And uh, one time at a wedding, uh, and he said, I thought you was a preacher. I said, I am a preacher. He said, uh, then you ought not be lying. I didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> and so he was lying all the time. He did all that stuff, right? And so, uh, but um, we all survived, didn't we? Amen. Uh, and is the Lord good? Yes. You know, uh, I mean, the mercy of the Lord kept us alive long enough to get some faith, right? And so, uh, praise God, we made it. Amen. Uh, and I hear people talk about, you know, how they can't be successful because of how their mama raised them. It's like, whatever, you know. Uh, I am not going to let anybody constrain my success in this earth. 
I can't tell you how many times people say, it's their fault I can't be happy. It's their fault I can't be successful. It's their fault that I can't do this or that. Nobody's going to stand in my way. It's me and the Lord Jesus, we can do anything, you know. And I hear the same thing at church. I can't go to church because of them over there, you know. It's like, what in the world, you know. You are not going to keep me from heaven. And you are not going to keep me from the blessings of heaven. And you can say whatever you want to, do whatever you want to. The Lord is going to be on my side, amen. And I will do whatever I have to do, whatever I need to do, whatever I want to do regardless of what people think or act about it, you know, and, and um, faith gets to choose. Faith gets to decide the life you have, amen? You are not a victim, uh, and don't ever allow yourself to be a victim, amen? amen. We was all raised, you know, uh, we all could have been raised better, I'm sure, uh, but um, uh, we are not, a, 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 you know, the old, the old constraint and the, the conflict in, in psychology, you know, are we, are we uh, 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 is, is it, uh, uh, what's the two words they use, you know? Uh, environment or or uh, were you were you made that way right uh, there's two words you know I'm not a psychologist I don't know there's two words there but they always try to tell you you know whether you're whether you're a product of your environment or you're a product of who you are uh, and they say well it's you know it's a conflict you know because sometimes it's a little both it's no you are a product of your faith yes. uh, and uh, and whatever your faith is that's who you are yes. amen yes. Uh, and and I can't tell you how many times I tell the Lord Lord I want to be a person of great character more than anything in my life, I want to be a person of great character because I did not grow up as a person of great character. Uh, and, 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 um, and the only way that we'll survive and the only way that uh, we'll grow is to be a person of great character. Amen. Amen. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, cheat and steal to get by. Uh, you know, even in the ministry, it's amazing how many ministers will lie, cheat and steal to get ahead, right? To cause their church to grow or to, you know, to, uh, to get something, you know, trying to get a dollar out of your pocket. Uh, you know, just lie, cheat and steal all the time. Uh, and it's amazing. It's sad, you know, to, for that to happen. And that has caused uh, untold grief in the body of Christ. You know, how many people do you know in the body of Christ don't go to church because some minister tried to prophesy a dollar out of your pocket, right? Or some minister ran off with the, with the secretary. I mean, that happens all the time, right? Uh, uh, and and um, fortunately, you know, I'm married to the secretary, so it's, it makes it pretty easy, right? Uh, so we're good on that, on that part. And, you know, sometimes they run off with, with, the, with the piano player. Well, I'm married to the piano player too, right? Uh, and so, you know, I'm just going to, uh, I'm not married to more than one person. You know that, right? I'm just married to one person, right? So some people, I'll just marry everybody that way. I don't have to, you know, well, that's not, you can't do that either, right? But um, uh, we're getting way of, way of where we need to be, right? Way away where we need to be. But, uh, but my faith gets to tell me the life that I, that I can have, amen? It is not my circumstances. It's not my history. It's not my family name. It's not my career, not my intelligence, not my, my talent. It's my faith gets to dictate the life that I have on this earth, Amen. Uh, and your faith can, will dictate the life you could have in this earth. Amen. Not your talents and abilities, you know, because those are constrained uh, because there's always somebody better than you. There's always somebody smarter than you. Amen. There's always somebody craftier than you or whatever. Uh, you know, you think I'm the very best there ever was. You're not the best there ever was. There's probably 100 people better than you uh, in whatever thing that you do. Amen. Uh, unless the Lord gives you a special anointing like uh, Solomon uh, and he was the wisest man that there ever was. How well did that work out for him? Did he still fall away from the Lord? Wisest man ever still fell away from the Lord. Well, why is that? Because he thought he was so wise. Well, I'm so wise, I can't fall. And some people get the, you know, kind of get the big head, right? Uh, and so then, of course, some people have the attitude, then, then I don't want to ever be wise or anything. That way I don't fall. Well, then, you're, then how valuable are you to the Lord, right? If you don't want to do anything out of fear for failing, then, then how much can the Lord use you, amen? Uh, and, and so, you know, we got to find the balance. In faith, I can do anything. Amen. And in faith, I'll stay the course with the Lord and not uh, backslide and not do anything wrong. And, and if I do things wrong, then I can, I can admit it and, and go on. Amen. And repent of it uh, and not live in it. Uh, and so uh, I am just, I am just not going to, you know, I grew up as a victim. I'm not going to be a victim. Um, I grew up thinking that I can't be successful. The youngest of 11, not seeing any, uh, much of any success in my family uh, prior to me becoming an adult. And really, you know, I remember as a child thinking, well, you know, this is my life. I see how all my other brothers and sisters live, and I'm not mad at them. You know, I think, you know, the many of them found success since then. Uh, but growing up, I didn't see much success at all in any examples of success. And just assumed that that was my path, too, that I'm going to be just like, you know, everybody else. And, uh, and then the Lord intervened. And the Lord intervened and says, the whole world belongs to me. It can be yours. Uh, and so that's a pretty good deal, right? Uh, and so let's open up our, our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll get started today. So we finished up last week talking about the will of God. And um, in my heart, uh, living in the perfect will of God is the greatest pursuit that you can do in your life. 
is if, if your desire is only to do God's will in your life, then uh, you will be okay. Amen. And the constraint is uh, when your will is in conflict with the will of God, then what do you do? Amen. That will happen. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a rarity. It even <clears throat> happened with the Lord Jesus. But what are you going to do? And that's the question for all of us. You know, what do you do when you realize that what I'm doing is not the will of God or what I want to do is not the will of God? What do you do in that moment? And that's, that can be some of the hardest things that you decide in your life. Amen. Uh, as, as you progress in the Lord, hopefully it becomes easier and easier. Oh, what I'm doing or what I want to do is not lined up with the word of God. No problem. I'll just change. What I want to do or desire to do is not lined up with the spirit of God. No problem. I'll change. You know, that, and, and that should be really easy. Amen. Uh, uh, sometimes it's not. I, I know uh, one of the stories with uh, Brother Hagen that he talked about was uh, uh, when he was learning about uh, uh, financial blessings with the Lord, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, this is not a class on financial blessings, but maybe one of these days we'll teach a whole class on it, uh, a message on it. But, um, <clears throat> uh, but uh, in the denomination that he was in, uh, he said that uh, uh, they would pray, Lord, uh, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. Uh, and so and they tried really hard to do that, you know, and so he finally stopped being a pastor and ended up being on the, on the road and traveling as a traveling minister. Uh, and he said for a year he was just broke at the end of the year. He was like one hundred dollars behind, you know, which doesn't seem much now. But back when one hundred dollars was, you know, a lot of money, you know, you can get a gallon of gas for a nickel. One hundred dollars is pretty good right now. I mean, I, I have paid one hundred dollars for a gallon for a tank of gas. Right. In fact, uh, I've got a 30 gallon tank right now at four dollars, one hundred and twenty dollars for a tank of gas. Right. Uh, and so, uh, but back then, five cents for a tank, uh, for a gallon of gas is pretty good, right? And he said, sometimes they'd have wars and it'd be like, you know, three cents for a gallon of gas, right? Uh, the, the gas stations would have price wars. And so, uh, so after a year, you know, he went to the Lord, said, Lord, you know, uh, he quoted the Lord, uh, Isaiah uh, 1, 9, said that the, that the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. Was that a promise? Mm-hmm. That's a promise, right? The willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. Now, uh, have we been redeemed from any of the blessings of the Old Testament? Not been redeemed from any blessing. So if there's a blessing in the Old Testament, it still belongs to the people of God. Uh, only the curses have been ex- uh, expunged from, our, from, from being uh, part of our lives in the New Testament. So if there's a blessing in the Old Testament, that means, because so, a lot of people say, well, that's Old Testament, it doesn't apply to us. There's, it, it was never taken from us. It still applies to us. And so if I find a blessing in the Old Testament, it's mine just like a blessing in the New Testament. So he said to the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. He said, Lord, I've done what you told me to do. I left my church, best church ever, comfortable church, good salary, good benefits, you know, a good uh, place to live, a good parsonage there. Uh, and, and I've done what you told me to do. I've traveled. I left my family. I'm doing all these things. And, and yet I'm not blessed. Uh, and, and, but your word says that I'm supposed to be. And so what's the deal? Now, he didn't accuse the Lord because sometimes we, we get out of order and we accuse the Lord. Lord, why did you not bless me? As if it's his fault, right? As if he's doing something to you. And you should always be careful of accusing the Lord of any evil. People will do that all the time. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and the Lord said, uh, he said, well, that verse is true. Well, that's good to know that verse is true. He said, the problem is you're not qualified. Uh, and so, because uh, what's the verse say? The willing and obedient. So that's who's responsible to be willing and obedient. That's us. And then shall eat the good of the land. So who provides the good of the land? Well, the Lord does. So like almost every promise in the word, there's there is a God side and a man side. Then the man side is to be willing and obedient. So did he say everybody gets to eat the good of the land? No, he said there is a requirement, a responsibility on our lives that we must complete and, and have approved that we have done that work prior to receiving the blessing of the promise. And that's the way it is with, with the, really the entire Bible. Uh, and so if, if I'm responsible to be willing and obedient, then if I'm not willing and obedient, then I'm unqualified to receive the promise. And that's what the Lord said to him. You're unqualified to receive the promise. And he goes, what do you mean? I did what you told me to do. He said, yeah, but you're not willing. He said, you went everywhere I told you to go, but you wanted to be home with the kids. You went everywhere I told you to go, but you were unwilling to, to in your heart. Now, can you see that? I mean, you know, we love to measure things on the outside. I did it. I went over there. You know, I did that thing. Mm. Yeah, but what's on your heart on the inside? Because yeah. who, uh, who judges the, the hearts of man? The, the Lord does, right? Does he see your heart? Now, can you tell two people doing the exact same thing? Can you tell which one's willing, which one's not willing? No. Not if they're crafty, right? Not if they're sneaky. I'll, I look just like the other person over there, right? 
But in your heart, you know, you're not willing. Uh, and so the Lord said, you're not, you're not qualified. You're obedient, but you weren't willing. <clears throat> and then Brother Hagin always says, when he tells the story, he says, don't tell me it takes a long time to change. That was the whole point of the story was that point right there. Don't tell me it's a long, it takes a long time to change. He said, in my heart, I immediately made that change. Now, see, on the outside, what did he have to change? Not a thing. Still going out, still traveling, still going to places the Lord told him to go. On the outside, not a thing changed. He made an adjustment on the inside and then uh, became qualified to, re- to eat the good of the land. Amen. And it took him a while. I mean, he had to, you know, he had to start from zero and work his faith back up to, uh, to start eating the good of the land. And by the time uh, he passed, you know, he passed in 2003, uh, there was one year he gave a million dollars away. I gave away a million dollars. Now, you've got to have more than a million dollars to give a million dollars away, right? Uh, and so, and people have, have, you know, said, oh, he's a terrible person. Well, when you give a million dollars away, then you can uh, comment on the quality of Brother Hagen. Amen? Uh, and uh, I've not given a million dollars away in a year yet. Uh, and so, I'd be glad to do it, though. You know, the Lord would have to increase me to be able to do that. And so, uh, I got no problem with that at all. Amen. People, you know, a lot of people, oh, you know, when I get rich, I'll give, I'll give away. No, you won't. If you're not giving money when you, when you don't have money, then, I mean, I was giving money when I was on Social Security. You know, I was on Social Security when I was 15 years old. I was tithing when I was on Social Security. How many 15-year-olds typically tithe on, at, uh, uh, on Social Security when they're 15, right? Uh, and so uh, uh, I, I was giving money away when I had no money in college. You know, uh, I was on a, a fixed income during college. I'd get uh, every semester, I was, on, uh, I was on quarters, so the quarters were... Uh, uh, three months long, and so I'd get a I'd get a check for three hundred and ten dollars, and I'd have a hundred dollars per month was my was my budget to live on, uh, and so uh, and then that included giving and and uh, and sewing to the church, uh, and um, made it all the way through college on a hundred dollars a month, right? And that was uh, food and clothes and and uh, well I think food was paid for from um, uh, the meal tickets, but that included basically everything else, right? Uh, and so. All was well, amen. Uh, and so it, it, you can change just like that. Amen. That's the that's the key. And I, you know, the other thing I hear people say a lot of times, I'm working on it. Yeah. You know, usually when I hear that, you know, I don't say nothing. Like, you ain't working on it. You ain't you ain't working. You say you work, you ain't working on it because you can do it just like that. Amen. I'll tell you one more story, then we'll actually read uh, Matthew chapter five, maybe. But but uh, I remember uh, years ago we hadn't been married that long. Uh, and, um, you know, when you first get married, you're still trying to figure out how to get along with this person that's there all the time, right? Like, don't you have somewhere to be? No, they're there all the time, right? And so, you know, and so, you know, sometimes uh, things happen, right, that you don't like. Uh, and, uh, and I don't remember what the context of it was. Maybe one of these days the Lord will remind me what it was. But, uh, uh, but I got mad at my wife about something. And, uh, and, of course, I was right because I was never wrong. And when I first got married, I was never wrong. Uh, and, um, you know, somehow as I get older, I find out how more wrong I am. Right? I, don't, I don't know if I'm getting worse or what. Uh, I just think I'm just seeing more, though. Uh, and so, but I was mad about something. And just, you know, now, the way I was grew up, the way I grew up when I got mad, you know, it just takes a while to, to you know, to deflate, right? Just like, it's like steam, right? So it's two, three days, you know. You know, because if you're really spiritual, I can get over it in two, three days, you know. I mean, I'm super spiritual, right? Two or three days, I quit be mad at my wife for something that she did. Probably burned the biscuits or, you know, who knows what it was, right? Uh, and, um, uh, but I'm just mad. And so I'm getting ready to go to work, you know, still mad, you know, it happened yesterday or the day before like that, you know. And of course, none, you all never done any of this stuff like this, right? You all are perfect, you know, so this is to help you out. So you don't ever do this in the future, right? But, uh, but I was mad. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, and I'm looking in the mirror. And, you know, to me, the, the best prescription in the world is if you've got problems in your life, get a bigger mirror. You don't have a the big enough mirror, you need to get a bigger mirror. Some people need wall-to-wall mirrors, floors, oh, yeah. mirrors on the floors, ceilings, everywhere, doors, yeah. everywhere. I mean, because they just don't see. You know, I do nothing wrong. Well, you ain't got a big enough mirror. Yeah. You've got a big enough mirror that all you see is you. Uh, and what you'll find as you get older and get wiser, you'll find out that all you see is you. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the problems in your life are all in the reflection. Amen. Uh, and so, but I'm looking in the mirror. And, uh, and, the, and, and the Lord said, you know, you quit being mad anytime you want to. And it was just like a revelation. I thought, there's no way. You can just not be mad. I mean, you got to be mad, you're right. I think there was a, uh, a country song one time that says, I'm going to be mad for a while, right? Yeah. I'm just going to be mad for a while. <laughs> well, how long? Just a while, you know, until, until, until it's over, right? Until I'm not mad anymore, as if they, there's nothing they can do about it. And see, the psychology tells you, well, you, there's nothing. You, it's your emotions. You can't do anything about it. You can't just not be mad. 
right? Much of the church, well, you just can't not do that. A person of faith can just not do that anytime they want to. And when the Lord said that, you can quit being mad anytime you want to. I mean, immediately, just, okay, I'm not mad. I'm just not going to be mad. And I found over the years that I, I get to choose uh, what my emotions do. My emotions don't run my life. You know, you have emotions. The Lord gave you emotions, and they're God-given. But they can be twisted and used inappropriately oftentimes, and people do. I know people use emotions to try to control conversations, you know, try to use their emotions to do whatever. Uh, I mean, since that, I am, I am completely impervious. You cry and bawl and squall. If I say something to you, you start crying. You're like, I'll just wait till it's over. Because your emotions are not going to control the circumstance, situations, right? Uh, I'll say something, you get mad, you know, start throwing things and be like, I'll just wait till you're done, till you're done being mad because it's just a smoke screen. Amen. Uh, and, and the Lord said, you can quit being mad anytime you want to. Uh, I mean, I have used that so many times in my life that just, no, nope, uh, I'm just not going to be mad anymore. Uh, and not that I don't ever get mad. It's just that once I recognize it, I can just turn it off just like that. Just like that. I don't have to wait for it to fuse, to deflate, to, uh, and the other, I don't have to wait for anybody to apologize. I don't have to wait. Uh, well, you know, they need to apologize. Well, maybe they do. But what's that got to do with you? Yeah, that's right. You know, I tell people all the time, why is their actions causing you so much grief? Why do you have to be so mad and so tore up because of what somebody else is doing? How is that helping you? How does it help you to get all tore up and mad and, and angry and bitter towards somebody because what they're doing is wrong. And I'm not excusing their actions. No, you know, there's oftentimes when people do things that are wrong to you, that are unjust, unkind, you know, terrible. But that doesn't uh, have to affect your life. Amen. Uh, because anything you, that uh, controls your life is your God. If your emotions are, are, control your life, then your emotions are your God. If that person across the street is controlling your life, then they're your God. Uh, and, and it's a shame. You know, we, we give up the Godhead oftentimes to so many circumstances other than the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, and it's a shame that we live that way. Amen. Amen. So can you choose to not be mad anytime you want to? Yes. Anytime you want to. Uh, and and what my pastor used to say that I, I loved, you know, uh, I loved it the first time he said it. You know, Jerry loved it about the third or fourth time he said it. The first time he didn't like it, but the uh, first time he said it, he said, you know, I'm not your problem, you're not mine. And, and he would say, nobody makes you mad. Uh, and I thought, that's a great revelation. Nobody made you mad. You chose to get mad, right? And I love that. Don't you love that revelation? I love that revelation. Nobody made you mad. I chose to get mad. See, if I chose to get mad, you know what that means? I can choose to not get mad. I can choose to get unmad. Uh, and so, but if you make me mad, then I have to wait till you do something that, that uh, then I approve of to not be mad anymore. Uh, and that may not ever happen, right? Well, I'm still mad at him, you know? And, and um, Brother Hagin told another story about a lady when he was a pastor came to him. He just started a new church. He hadn't been there long. And uh, she, she came to him and said, Brother Hagen, uh, I, I, I want to tell you about somebody before anybody else tells you about him. <laughs> and you know, that's always a clue that, okay, this is going to be carnality right here for the next, next bit of this conversation. She said, uh, uh, this person stole my boyfriend. Uh, and, um, and uh, you know, uh, I think she called her a witch too. She said, and I just want you to know, I've, I've forgiven her, but I won't forget what that witch did to me. And to Brother Hagin, you know, you can new pastor. This is kind of intense, right? Uh, and, and so he said, well, when did this happen? And she said, like, well, one, two, three, four, eight. She said, eight years ago. You lying, lying. Eight years ago, you're still mad, you know? Uh, and he said what, what actually happened was they went on one date. This, this woman and this man went on one date, and the man's like, he's like crazy, you know? So, I'm out of here, right? And Never did go out on a date with her again because she's crazy, right? Uh, ended up being with this other girl at the same church. And so, but because they went on one date, she, uh, he belonged to her, right? Uh, and, um, and so people are crazy, right? Eight years ago, she's still mad after one date. Well, she, you know, that's just uh, carnality right there, right? Uh, and so, uh, so here, here we are in, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5. So if you notice in Matthew chapter 5, all of chapter 5 is, is red. All of chapter 6 is red. Uh, almost all of chapter 7 is red. So you know what that means? It means Jesus spoke, right? So uh, Matthew chapter 5 starts uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the longest dissertation that Jesus had in the Gospels uh, here. It's these three chapters of just Jesus speaking. Uh, and, uh, and so at the beginning of it here, uh, he goes through several things uh, uh, between uh, verses 1 through 9 about uh, being blessed. Uh, and uh, we call these the Beatitudes. 
And so uh, it was just, the Lord just pressed on my heart. You know, I've never taught on this before, uh, but I thought it'd be good to go through the Beatitudes of what Jesus says. And Beatitudes are just a word. It's not a biblical word. It's the, a, a description of uh, these listing of things that are a blessing. And it's actually an old, uh, it's an old school word about, um, uh, which just means be blessed, right? Uh, and so uh, I think one definition is or supreme blessedness is a beatitude. And, um, uh, and apparently it was also a title. If you were in a certain church, they called you his or her, uh, his or your beatitude, right? So I'm thinking about adding that to my title. Just call me uh, your beatitude. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? <laughs> it, wouldn't be added, it wouldn't be awesome, you know. I couldn't handle it, you know. Your, your beatitude, you know. People are funny, you know. And so uh, you get around... Um, uh, you get around certain people, they, they want to be called certain things like, all right, I'll call you that, you know. Uh, and so that was a title, but, uh, but the Beatitudes are just the first part of that. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm going to start reading here in, um, in just verse 1. It says uh, of Matthew chapter 5, And seeing the multitudes, he went up to, into a mountain, and when he had sat, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. So uh, these next three chapters, and, and I don't know, we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll go through the Beatitudes for sure. Uh, if we go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that's, uh, that's one of the most intense teachings that Jesus did. We could be here till the next millennium. I don't think we'd get through before the second coming. We may have to take it over into the millennium if we go through it. But, you know, we'll see how, what the Lord does if he wants us to go through the rest of the Because it's just, it's an amazing, the whole, the whole sermon is amazing, right? The whole Sermon on the Mount is amazing. Because Jesus, you know, if you think about where he was at, uh, the, New Te- the Old Testament had been in, in uh, in power for hundreds of years, right? Really thousands of years from Moses till now. It's about 2,000 years or so. Uh, and so they've been living under this Old Testament. Uh, but Jesus sees the New Testament coming, right? Uh, the resurrection of the dead uh, begins the New Testament. And, and so he's trying to transition them into the faith of the New Testament. Now, if you really see the Old Testament in the types and shadows that were there, transitioning New Testament's easy. That ought to be the easiest thing in the world for, for any Jewish person to become a Christian. Ought to be the easiest thing in the world because it's all there. You read, all the, read all the prophecies. Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies. Ought to be the easiest thing in the world. It should have been the easiest thing in the world for the, 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 the intent of the Lord was that, that not just these crazy ragtag apostles, uh, fishermen and other people uh, that were generally unqualified to teach the word from a natural standpoint. It wasn't the intent of the Lord just to have those people preach the gospel. There's always the intent of the Lord that the nation of Israel as a whole, all the leadership in the nation of Israel got behind the gospel and advanced the kingdom of, of heaven in the New Testament with, with the new gospel that the Lord had provided to us. That was always the intent. It didn't work out that way, but that was his desire and it, it, because it should have been the easiest thing. It should have been the easiest thing for, the, for these Jews to, to accept the Lord Jesus, but all of them, all the leadership fought him. Uh, well, almost without exception, a few of them like Nicodemus uh, uh, came around some, but it should be the easiest thing for the high priest to accept the Lord Jesus. He understood what a sacrifice was. He understood what, what the, what the old Testament was, uh, but they got so blinded by their religion. They couldn't see. Right. Uh, and, and so, so Jesus spends here, this, this, all of his time, uh, talking to, um, to the disciples here on this mountain. And so, of course, we're in chapter five, but you know, Jesus really been kind of leading up to this because now, uh, no doubt, there's thousands of people here. If he'd started the Sermon on the Mount, you know, back in Matthew chapter two or so, you know, there might have been uh, dozens of people there, hundreds of people there. But no doubt at this point in time, there's thousands of people here because he went up to on the mountain and, and spoke to them. Right. So they're all they're all down there uh, below him. Uh, and so the acoustics would be really good. I always wondered how Jesus could do that. Talk to thousands of people, you know, and and, and how how it worked with the acoustics. But uh, I'm sure it worked out somehow. And so, so uh, he'd been leading up the, the, to, this, uh, to this particular message. And so he taught them, right? And it was when it says that when he had sat, uh, uh, that uh, his disciples came to him and they started to teach. It, it was a common uh, practice back then for teachers to sit, right? When they went to the synagogue, oftentimes the teachers would sit uh, at the beginning of the synagogue. You know, in our society, it's common for ministers to stand behind a pulpit and preach. It's not required, but there's no law about it. It's just the way that it is, right? Uh, and so uh, uh, we, we will be looking at a little bit also in Luke chapter 6. So Luke chapter 6, 
It's kind of the parallel to the, to the, uh, to the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but it must have happened at a different time because in, in Luke chapter 6, we won't go over there, but I'll just read it there uh, where it says that he, in verse 17, that Jesus stood in the plain. So it was a different set, uh, environment, uh, setting than here, the Sermon on the Mountain, that he was standing on the mountain here. So it was probably just a totally different message, but very similar. So, uh, you know, uh, it's not, un- not unusual for ministers to repeat the same sermon in, in multiple locations, right? Uh, in fact, I remember we had an evangelist that would come uh, to my pastor's church every year, and he would kind of brag. He said, I've only got seven messages. And, and every church I go to, it's only one of those seven messages. And I, you know, and I didn't say anything, but I was thinking, so you don't ever ask the Lord what to preach? You just, we're doing number two today, boys. I mean, you know, well, why do you decide it's one of those seven, right? Uh, and so I think there's more revelation than just seven messages, right? In fact, uh, this is, uh, uh, you can't see it there, but this says 263. So this is my 263rd uh, message I've put together, you know, from time immemorial back in the, back in the day, right? Uh, and so... Um, so uh, this is Jesus speaking here, and, and um, uh, we'll just start, uh, we, we read verses 1 and 2 there. Uh, he starts out in verse 3, he said, well, in verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so uh, we need to find out what poor in spirit is, but before that, we want to talk a little bit about what, what it means to be blessed, because he repeats this. Uh, from verse 3 to verse 9, or verse, uh, verse 3 to verse 11. Uh, and so, uh, what does it mean to be blessed? Because whatever this means, this is what you get uh, in these verses, right? Uh, and so, uh, and in all of these things, just like we talked about there in Isaiah 1-9, where Jesus said, or in the Old Testament, He said, the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. So there is a requirement, and if the requirement was met, then a promise was given. Right, the result of the promise was given. Here, it's the same thing. Uh, uh, in this case, blessed are the poor in spirit. So, uh, so who's responsible for being poor in spirit? Well, we are, right? Whose decision is it to be poor in spirit? Does God make you poor in spirit? No, because you cannot be poor in spirit, right? Uh, and so if you are poor in spirit, if you choose to be poor in spirit, then what do you get? You get the kingdom of heaven. In this case, you get the kingdom of heaven, right? So in this case, there is a, uh, there is a promise with a responsibility on our part and a blessing that comes as a result of us being obedient to this particular verse, right? Uh, well, that's the Bible. Uh, that's everywhere you go. That's, if you do these things, these things will happen, right? And of course, the implication is then if you're not poor in spirit, do you get the kingdom of heaven? No, you don't get the kingdom of heaven. So this one's kind of an important uh, uh, beatitude, right? Sounds kind of important to me and it's, and it's really appropriate for the Lord to start with this one because everything else follows from being poor in spirit, right? None of these other will matter if you're not poor in spirit. Uh, but to be blessed, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So it's found a bunch of times in the New Testament, uh, and it's uh, uh, oftentimes translated as happy, or uh, most times translated as blessed, sometimes happy or happier. Uh, but this is really, a, uh, if you go and do some research just on this word, it's really a big word. It's used a lot in the Old Testament. It's used a lot in the New Testament. Uh, and um, it, it just... Uh, uh, in the history of this word, it talks about all kinds of things, right? It talks about having material goods and children and, and marriage and riches and a good understanding and fame and righteousness. And uh, uh, one, one uh, uh, translation or one definition is it's the freedom of the rich from the normal cares and worries of life. You ever notice the rich people? It's like they don't care what the gas price is, right? Rich people, they don't care how much it costs to go to the restaurant. You know, they don't care how much it costs to buy that thing. They just buy it, right? You know, that's... Uh, you know, in, um, uh, with all the stuff with Russia and Ukraine, Germany just confiscated uh, like a $600 million yacht from one of the Russian uh, billionaires, right? A $600, $600 million yacht, right? I mean, it's a boat, yeah, and it costs $600 million. You think he's cared, is concerned about the price of oil? I don't think he's concerned at all about the price of oil, right? So because he's rich, then, then, then he is free from the normal cares and worries of life. That's one of the definitions of being blessed, is free from the normal cares and worries of life. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to be blessed? How many worries and cares of life do people just get consumed with every day? I mean, you know, you talk to some people and you listen, oh, you know, gas prices going, the price of gas is going up, you know, we're not going to be able to make it. In fact, uh, you know, I was like the story that Dr. Dufresne would tell 
that he was, you know, this is back, you know, because gas prices went up really high. They went up to over $4 a gallon. Of course, he lives on California, right, which is nearly as communist as Russia, but not quite the same. But, uh, you know, they go five, six dollars a gallon over there. Uh, and so he was kind of complaining at the gas pump. Yeah, oh, gas price going up so high, you know. Yeah. And, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I thought I was your supply. Mm. We are, Lord, except at the gas pump. Mm. No, he, he didn't say that, you know, because that would be foolish to say that, right? But is the Lord our supply? Yes. So is it terrible that the gas has gone up? It is, because all men ha- have not faith. That's what the Bible says, right? right? Well, I have faith, so the gas price is not going to affect me. But I do understand that people who don't have faith, it can affect them, right? And if you double your gas bill every every week you know they were using that other money to eat uh, and so it does affect people right it, uh, but it's not going to affect me because i can live by faith i have the opportunity to live by faith amen uh and and because i'm blessed then, then i'm free from the normal cares and worries of life amen uh and so uh it it uh, has the meaning of fullness of life and relates to such things as a wife and beauty and honor and wisdom and piety. And it's, it's uh, to be blessed is, is uh, having trust in God, forgiveness of sins uh, and righteousness, even in affliction and, and a final deliverance. David mentioned it in, in uh, Romans chapter four. It, it says in verse six, David also described the blessedness of man unto whom God imputed righteousness without word, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So are we blessed because our iniquities are forgiven and our sins are covered? Oh, yeah. We are, right? Um, uh, and so uh, we talked a little bit about that this morning, right? Our, our iniquities, you know, if you have no iniquities and you have no sins, then you have nothing that needs to be forgiven and nothing needs to be covered. Uh, but David said it's a blessing to, to live like that. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of times uh, people who lived a, a terrible life before they got saved really appreciate what the Lord's done for them. Amen not necessary to have lived a terrible life. Sometimes, you know, we like to compete that my life was more terrible than your life. And so therefore I love the Lord more than you love the Lord. That's not true. Uh, but um, we can love the Lord because if we really see how every infraction of the Lord, every sin, regardless of what it looks like, is a terrible thing. See, then we'll appreciate how much the Lord has done. Amen. Because you know, the sin of pride is just as bad as the sin of fornication. But in the church, you know, we let pride slide quite a bit, right? I mean, people are proud, you know, after all haughty and stuff. And uh, we let that slide. But somebody commits some act of fornication, you know, and we'll, we'll bury them in the backyard. And, well, both are sin, right? Both, is, both are, are shortcomings of the Lord, right? Uh, and so if those that have been in pride will see that for really for what it is, then they will know how blessed they are that their sins have been forgiven uh, or their iniquities have been forgiven and their sins have been covered. Amen. So it doesn't have to be just the person who commits a terrible sin that everybody can observe. It can be anybody who commits any sin when they realize how much of that of that is an infraction of the Lord. So blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Uh, and and then the last thing here is blessed is the distinctive is the distinctive joy which comes through participation in the divine kingdom. That sounds like a lot of words right there, right? Uh, but uh, so, so being blessed is all-encompassing, amen? It's not just happy. That's, that's one of the primary definitions, and that alone would help a lot of people, right? Oh, yeah. You know you're blessed. Well, I don't know if I'm blessed or not, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you're not very happy, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the, the thing that strikes me the most is how unhappy much of the church is. Mm-hmm. Just happy. Just, how you doing? Who's asking? <laughs> just saying, how you doing, right? Okay. You know, didn't, just want to know, how you doing, right? And, and uh, you know, why do you care? Actually, right now, I really don't. You know, I just was just saying that'd be nice. You know, I didn't really mean, I really wasn't asking you, you know, how you doing, you know. You, see how you, you know how you said, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful who you ask, how you doing? Because, oh, yeah. you know, sometimes you say, how you doing? They, 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 they back up the dump truck and oh, just, yeah. just, you know, you know, and, and I was just asking. I mean, it really, I didn't really want an answer. It was a rhetorical question, right? I mean, you know, you really should care about how people are doing, but some people, you care, but you don't want to know, right? Because you don't have, you know, well, let me schedule next week for you, and now you can tell me, right? Yeah. But right now, I'm on my way to lunch or something, and so, uh, but uh, the church ought to be the happiest people in the world. If you're yeah. blessed, you ought to be happy. Yeah. Is that not an unusual, th- I mean, why is it unusual, right? Well, you just don't understand. Blah, 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 blah. What do you mean I don't understand? He said you're happy. Didn't he say you're blessed? 
Uh, he said the, the poor in spirit shall be blessed. He didn't say the poor in spirit shall be blessed unless, unless you're, you've got an excuse or unless you've got a problem that's bigger than I can handle. Is he, have we got any problems the Lord can't handle? If, if we have all the answers to everything, why are we ever unhappy? I mean, if the Lord, does the Lord have the answer for everything, every problem, every woe, every difficulty, every sickness and sin and, and, and attack of the enemy? Does not have the answer for everything? How can we not be the happiest people in the world? Now, there's, I can't tell you how many times things have happened in, in mine and Chris's life, and we just say, well, let's see what the Lord does. It'll be interesting to see how the Lord, because we know He will. It's not like, I wonder if He will. It's like, I know He will. Let's wait and see. It'll be fun to watch, see how He does this, amen, how He gets us out of the situation. Uh, and so... Uh, so we have the right to be blessed, right? We have to be, but he says the blessings only come about in this case in verse three, uh, with what condition? Being poor in spirit, right? So uh, in order to be blessed, uh, you have to be poor in spirit. And if you're poor in spirit, you get blessing and a specific blessing that he talks that you can get is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And he, and he starts out that this is the very first one. And this is uh, I believe he started out with this one because it's the most important one, right? Uh, and so, blessed is the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and uh, Rotherham uh, translation says, Happy the destitute in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. And then Young's translation says, Happy the poor in spirit, because theirs is the reign of the heavens. I like that, the reign of the heavens, right? Uh, and so, so we, we need to look at uh, what it means to be poor in spirit, right? And, and, uh, and we are almost out of time right now, so we're not going to be able to go into much of that. But uh, um, uh, Luke's version of this, he's, uh, of this particular beatitude, when Jesus said he lifted up his eyes on the disciples and said, Blessed uh, be the poor, uh, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, now, uh, Luke doesn't give us as much information as Matthew does, right? Matthew says the poor in what way? Spirit. Poor in spirit. Luke says the poor in what way? Just poor, right? So if you only read Luke, then you think that he's talking about poor in bank account, right? Who's ever got the smallest bank account is the happiest. I have never found that to be true. Do you know anybody who's got the poorest bank account and I'm the happiest, right? I mean, every now and then you find somebody who just doesn't know any better, right? But, uh, uh, and so, uh, but, but how many times do you, have you heard people say, unless you're poor in your bank account, you can't be blessed? I had somebody fuss at me and told me that every, every, uh, doctrine of prosperity is of the devil because Jesus said you've got to be poor in order to be blessed. But the little problem with that is what did Matthew say? Poor how? Poor spirit. So what should we what should we do? We should look at the whole counsel of God, right? We don't just pick and choose. And and, uh, and when we come back next next week, we'll prove just from the Word of God that it can't be so because if it's so that you can only be uh, blessed by having a small bank account relative to what you need, right? Because poor is a relative word. Poor is relative to those around you, right? Because here, the poorest person in the country is rich compared to someone in a third world country, right? They got a house, they got food, they got a gas, they got a cell phone. I mean, that's not poor, right? You go to the third world country and, and you know, they're glad to have dirt, right? What do you eat? Dirt. Well, you know, that's, uh, they're, I mean, they're really poor. They really are poor, right? They got one set of clothes and that's what they wear and that's it. Uh, and, and, um, and every day, uh, I mean, a lot of those people like that, their entire day is spent on how do I get food? How do I gather enough food to eat? That's the, the entire day is consumed with is, is wondering where they're going to get food. So, you know, places like America, we don't have any problems. I know there's people that have difficulties, uh, but uh, it's relative, right? Uh, the relative value of what we have here compared to other people here, seems low. But if you take that same amount of money and take that over to uh, a third world country somewhere, you do all right. Amen? Uh, and besides that, poor is also relative, ultimately is relative to heaven. The richest man on the earth is poor compared to heaven. Now, he thinks he's rich, but, uh, you know, they don't have none. I mean, that $600 million yacht, it doesn't have planks of gold running on it, Right? I mean, it's a nice yacht, you know, as far as I know. I mean, I've not been on it, obviously, but, uh, but since they impounded it, maybe it'll come up for sale. You know, you might be able to buy you a yacht here pretty soon. Uh, and so, but it doesn't have streets of gold running down it. Uh, I can guarantee you it doesn't, amen? Uh, and so, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not rich compared to the Lord, amen? Uh, and so, so we, we need to find out uh, what it really means to be poor, and, and can we 
can we solve that question of does it mean to be poor in your bank account? Because that would be really unusual for the Lord to say, you have to have this natural circumstance set in your life before I can bless you spiritually. And that would be really unusual for the Lord to say, only if you're in this natural set setup here, can I then bless you spiritually? Uh, because, you know, what do you do about somebody who just inherently wealthy, right? What do you do about somebody that, uh, I mean, didn't he say that, that everything you lay your hands to shall prosper? If everything you laid your hand to really prospered, how long would it be till you're not poor? But then you're wrong. So, so you, you uh, how would that, I mean, it, the, the whole concept is just doesn't make any sense anyway, because didn't he say given shall be what? Given, given unto you barely, just enough to get by, just enough to be, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, all of it, right? Uh, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So if you've got good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, are, are you poor anymore? Well, then you can't be blessed. So you got blessed because you gave, but now you're not blessed because you received. That, does that make any sense? It didn't make any sense at all, right? The, the Lord surely was not talking about unless you live in this natural circumstance, you cannot be blessed. Uh, and so because the blessing that you get is the kingdom of heaven. So only poor people can make it to heaven. So that means that Matthew was unqualified. That means that Job was unqualified. It means that uh, uh, um, there was uh, another uh, uh, Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, right? Uh, the wee little man, right? Uh, he was unqualified because he was rich. The Bible says he was rich, right? Uh, what about uh, uh, David, Solomon, Abraham, right? Uh, even Lot for a little while. What about, uh, are they not qualified? They, they can't be blessed because all of them are rich. Every one of them rich. Uh, now, is, is being rich their goal for life? It's not our goal for life. It's a secondary uh, blessing that comes about by us doing the word of God. Amen. And so, but let's find out what the Word of God says. We'll, we'll um, look at that. Uh, we'll have to look at that next week there. Uh, but, um, but Jesus started out with this one. So it would be a good place to start out with, right? So we want to find out, first of all, uh, we want all these blessings. Don't you want all these blessings? Don't you want the kingdom of heaven? Don't you want to inherit the earth? Don't you want to be comforted? Don't you want to be filled? You want all these blessings, right? Well, then, then it requires us to do certain things to get all these blessings. Amen. So let's find out what it is, and, and uh, we'll pick it up next week. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And we thank you, Father, for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that, that uh, if you said that we can be blessed, Father, then we can be blessed. And so, Father, we will follow your prescription and your plan and intent, and, and we will do the things that you instruct us to do, Father. And as a result of that, we'll be the happiest people on the earth. And we thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for that, Father. Uh, and just uh, uh, real quick, uh, Mr. Jerry, if I can, uh, if you got a minute just to come up here, I need to pray. Uh, yeah, Mr. Jerry. And um, when we were in um, praise and worship, um, uh, the Lord started speaking to me about uh, your grandson, Mr. Walker. Uh, and, um, uh, and so since he's not here, then I'll get to pray for you, right? Uh, and so, and I, and I just saw you, if, uh, if you'll just put your hands out there, I need to pray for you like that. Uh, and so, you know, the Lord would just speak to me about Walker and how that, you know, at his age, he's starting to formulate thoughts and plans of his future and what he'll do and what, what he'll be, uh, as all people do at his age. And the Lord just wanted to encourage him to not set his sights low, to not have a narrow focus on, uh, on a life that uh, is maybe okay, but the Lord said it's bigger, there's more. So encourage him to, to expand his thoughts about what he can be, what he could do. Let the Lord fill that with the bigness of who he is and not be constrained by, by his own thoughts or his own uh, environment and circumstances but to, but to expand it in, to increase according to, as the Lord would show him and the Lord will fill the fullness of that plan and idea and the Lord will bless him and will increase uh, and so if he'll be faithful to listen and to see and to hear from heaven the Lord will increase that vision to be a great vision greater than he believes even he can accomplish but in the Lord, all things can be accomplished. And in his presence and his spirit, he'll see clearly the path to take. And so 
blessings will come and increase will happen. And as he keeps his heart right and pure before the Lord, there'll be no limit to what the Lord can do for him and through him to be a blessing to he and to his family and to those around him. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that you desire good things for all of us. And, Father, we send Jerry uh, with the power of God in his life to speak that as you instruct him to do that, when you instruct him to do it, Father, and how you instruct him to do that. So, Father, we thank you that your spirit will be with him to be blessing, Father, to his grandchild. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And Father, we just want to thank you for being good to us, kind towards us. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy. So many times, Father, you instructed us that we have the right and the privilege to be blessed. And Father, we don't want to have any constraints in our life. If you want us to be blessed, Father, then we will be blessed. We will not second-guess your word. And Father, we will not be so prideful as to resist your blessings in our life. Father, we'll receive all that you have for us to, 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 to give to our lives, Father. And it will be generous, Father, to share with those around us. We'll not hoard anything to ourselves, Father. But we will be faithful to give. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. We choose, Father, to follow your word. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Well, you know, I know we don't know quite yet how to be happy, but we ought to be happy anyway, right? So we'll figure out how to be happy once we figure out what it means to be poor in spirit, right? Because blessed are or happy are or, or completely prosperous are uh, those who are poor in spirit. And so um, once we figure that out, and it's really not that hard to figure out, uh, it is hard for some people to live it, though, amen? Uh, so we'll figure that out. So... Uh, I think we're going to receive communion this morning. Amen. And uh, Mr. Jared, if you'll come ahead and help the folks out there. And I'm going to remind everybody about these cards. And so we'll put those on the back table there, right? With somebody already. Wow, look at that. So, so, um, so they got the information of the church, church website, address, phone number, all that stuff there. And then the dates and times for the meeting. So, um, I'm looking forward to the meetings. I think there'll be great meetings there, and um, uh, we'll have a good time. And so uh, that'd be a good way to invite people, and, and um, uh, we need to get people to hear the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Um, you know, I know I'm biased, but I think we can help anybody with the Word that we teach here. Amen? Because I know the Word is capable. I know the Word is, is able to help. Uh, but uh, people got to hear it. Amen? Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, um, someone was saying, Brother Randy, you know, about the Lord... I was talking to him about uh, how, um, or maybe he was talking to the Lord about not uh, uh, preaching the whole world. You know, the Lord had given a message for the whole world, and, and he said, well, the whole world's not here. And the Lord said, that's not my problem. You know, I told you what to say, and then, then, they have, then it's their responsibility to come and hear it. Amen. Uh, and so, um, so the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Uh, and um, uh, let's see, while Jared's doing that, I'm going to read First uh, Corinthians chapter 11. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul is talking here. <clears throat> uh, and there's, of course, there's a lot in here that we could talk about, but I'm going to start in verse 27. He said, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the, of the body and the blood of the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of times people think that they are, they are unworthy and not qualified to receive the communion. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying it's not talking about your worth as an individual that qualifies you to receive it. He's talking about how you receive it. Uh, and so it's not talking about you as an individual. It's talking about the action that you're doing in receiving the communion and how you're doing it. And, and the context, we don't have time to go into context, but the context was people were just, they were hungry, right? They hadn't gone to lunch, maybe skipped breakfast or whatever. And so they'd wait to church and they'd kind of pig out on the communion bread. And that's, un, I mean, un, that's unworthy, right? That's how you're doing that. We should honor this. This is a communion, right? This is a time to reflect on what the Lord has done for us. Uh, and we should treat it with reverence. 
You know, well, they weren't treating it with reverence, so how they were eating and how they were consuming it was unworthy. Uh, instead of honoring it as a, as a commandment of the Lord Jesus himself uh, and that it means great things for our lives, they were like, pass me some more bread. And uh, you got any of that good butter? You know, what's, what's that butter? You know, uh, what's that good butter we like that's uh, like cinnamon butter or something like that? You know, honey butter. Honey butter. Yeah, you got any good honey butter? You know, well, I like honey butter, but this is not the time to have honey. This is the time to remember what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Amen. So, uh, and, and that's, and all, now all of us can do it. All of us can treat this with honor, right? All of us can treat this uh, with, that's, a, that's if it's a great and valuable thing. Uh, and that's really what it means to receive it uh, in a worthy manner. Amen. So it's not, well, I've made a mistake, so therefore I'm unworthy. If you've made a mistake, then you're the perfect person to receive the blood of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, so you're perfectly qualified to receive it. Amen. Uh, and so let's thank the Lord for, for the communion today. And Father, we thank you uh, for this right and uh, privilege you've given to us to remind ourselves what you've done for us. And Father, first of all, this bread, you said that it, was, it represents your body, which is broken for us. You received so many stripes on your back, Father. A crown of thorns on your head, Father. Uh, and were beaten beyond the recognition even of, as, of a man. Uh, you did that for my benefit, Father. For, for the benefit of all humanity. You were not a victim, Father. You did it by choice. And so we thank you for the work of the Lord Jesus and for this bread which represents his body. And if it was beaten, Father, for me, then I receive the substitutional sacrifice of that. And if it was beaten for, for uh, my healing by his stripes, I was healed. Father, then I receive the healing in my body. And Father, I declare that I shall live free from sickness and disease all the days of my life because of the work of the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And, Father, for the precious blood of Jesus, no substance in all the universe, Father, is, is, is worth as much as the precious blood of Jesus. And so, Father, this blood is able to cleanse from all unrighteousness, Father, not from just certain lists of unrighteous things. You said it's able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, if there's any unrighteousness in us, we repent. We turn from our ways, Father, of being unrighteous. And, Father, we choose to follow your path of righteousness. And because we do that, Father, then this blood will cleanse us from all sin. It cleansed us the day we got born again, and it continues to cleanse us today. And because of that, Father, we can stand before you clean and washed because of your blood, not because of our good works. And so, Father, we thank you for that, that we are clean and washed by your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, all right. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Yes. Clean and healed. That's a pretty good setup right there, right? Yes. Clean and healed, right? So, all right. Well, let's see. Um, well, don't forget, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And um, we'll get ready to receive an offering here in, in just a minute. And then um, uh, I haven't got a, a word, a quote yet on the uh, construction phase for the, uh, uh, for the sanctuary. Um, but as um, soon as I get that, I'll let you guys know what it's going to cost to do that. And, of course, there, are, there has been pretty significant increases in, in uh, material costs for things, right? Uh, and so... But the Lord will provide. It'll be fine, right? It'll be, it'll be all right. And so, all right. Um, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Amen. Appreciate y'all's faithful, faithfulness in giving. You know, it's on my heart that Brother Randy's coming in a couple of weeks. So to, to just, we always give him a certain amount of money uh, whenever he comes. And it's just in my heart to, to increase that in a significant way. So, um, uh, so that's, that's our plan right now, right? And so... It's just money. We'll give it away. We'll give it all away. I don't care. You know, you, you, you say anything, we'll give twice much away, right? Uh, now, y'all won't say anything, but um, uh, y'all are good folks there. But uh, some people don't like, you know, well, we could use that money for something else. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, of course, y'all give when Brother Randy's here. And then um, uh, we'll, we always give him that, but we always give him above that, too, right? Uh, and so... Um, yeah, and um, uh, I think there was one time we actually, we had to write him a second check, right? Because we don't count the offering immediately. And when we counted the offering, it was actually more than 
than we gave them. So praise God for that, right? And so, uh, but uh, my heart is to give them uh, $5,000 when it comes. So I just want you all to know that because it's your, it's your giving too, right? And so that's our plan right now that we're going to do that. And, and because it's all sowing and reaping, amen? And, and um, you know, for a church, and I don't know, I don't ask them, you know, but I think that it's pretty good for a church our size to be able to do that, amen? And so we've been saving up all year to do that. And um, uh, we'll just do that, amen? Uh, it's just money, right? Uh, and if you've got problems with that, you can send me a letter in triplicate, and, and um, we'll go from there, right? So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and um, receive the offering. Um, and uh, now, bro- Brother Randy, he doesn't, re- he doesn't expect anything, right? He doesn't say, well, you've got to have a certain amount of money to come or anything like that. Um, I have had ministers that do that. You know, I have to have a certain amount of money before I can come. And, um, uh, and so uh, that's what they do. You know, that's fine. Um, but... Um, but Brother Randy doesn't ever do that. You know, he goes where the Lord tells him to go. And, and he's been kind to come to our church for all of these years. And, you know, he could come to churches and he goes to churches much, much bigger than our church. Right. And so it's a blessing for him to come here and, and impart into our ministry. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so we'll be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week in the Lord and you're dismissed. <laughs>